0: LA
2: Studios. Hey, you're listening to Imperfect Paradise from LAist Studios. I'm your host, Antonia Cerejido. This is part two of our four-part series, Imperfect Paradise Stripper's Union, the behind-the-scenes story of the first US strip club to unionize in decades. Previously, we met the dancers at Star Garden Topless Dive Bar and learned about the safety issues and sense of community that led the dancers to
3: mobilize we just had a lot of love for each other. And we solidified that the only way we're going to be able to do something is if we organize together.
2: This episode, what happens when the Star Garden dancers go public with their campaign and receive some pushback?
1: I think that it's really easy for white folks to have like some fragility when you first come to them with issues like that. And what happens as their campaign persists i feel like an
3: american like (laughs) i don't know it's like finally able to vote for something because i can't
4: vote for anything so it was really exciting after an hour of a closed meeting these dancers
0: and their supporters watched on a zoom call as the vote was stopped the employer is challenging 16 of the 18 ballots received elias
2: producer emma alabaster takes the story from here
4: and summer of 2022 was a time of picketing for the Stargarden strippers. They told us they were outside the club every night for a couple of weeks and then moved to weekly pickets. And each one had a theme. Former Elias producer Phoenix So dropped by that summer. So tonight
2: is the French Revolution theme. I happen to have this Marie Antoinette costume and I wear it whenever I have an excuse. This is Reagan,
4: one of the more veteran strippers we met last episode.
2: I think that there's like a really fun correlation between like the analogy of the French Revolution and Marie Antoinette because our bosses won't give us basic safety that we're asking for, but but they will like throw us a birthday party. They like threw me a birthday party in January a month before I was fired. Like, oh, the peasants,
4: they want safety? Oh, let them eat cake. Other picket themes included Braveheart, Clowns, Babe Tricks, meaning the Matrix, but with babes. They even had a picket where everyone dressed up like different violations they had cited in their OSHA complaint, like the broken pole.
0: Strippers united will never be divided! Strippers
4: the dancers told me that picketing week after week for eight months straight was exhausting, physically and emotionally.
3: united will never be divided!
4: They said things felt tense with the club's security guards who were outside the door, and with customers, they were trying to turn away from the club.
0: Shame, 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 shame.
4: But the fun picket themes helped sustain the dancers for a long fight, and it was also part of their communication strategy. The dancers would post videos on their Instagram account, Stripper Strike NoHo, NoHo for North Hollywood. Eventually, it would grow to over 13,000 followers. Chris Smalls from the Amazon labor union even joined a picket and posted about it online. The media noticed.
1: Instead of hitting the stage, they're hitting the picket lines behind me here at Star Garden
0: Topless Dive Bar in North Hollywood as the they Locked them out, so they decided to organize. Picketing over what they call an environment of harassment and lack of basic worker safety and cleanliness.
4: This episode, a whole year of the Star Garden's diverse fight for union, a year that launched their campaign into the spotlight and sparked a much larger debate among strippers about race, oppression, and the future of the strip club as a workplace. Do you remember like what you thought when you first heard that that was happening at Stargarden?
0: I thought that it was a distraction from the real problem. I think that it's all about white tears. It's just something that's literally leaving out the most marginalized and the people that are suffering the most are completely being ignored. What do strippers want from their workplace?
4: And how can they get there? And who should be leading the charge? This is Imperfect Paradise, Stripper's Union, part two. I'm Emma Alabaster.
3: Social media has been both a blessing and a curse,
4: as it tends to be. This is Wicked, the stripper who first danced alone at Star Garden.
3: Where we were able to reach a wide worldwide audience and gain worldwide support. But at the same time, it does open us up to times we messed up.
4: On the picket line, Wicked found out pretty quickly that she was marching into complicated territory, that there were other strippers who had been organizing long before her. In the comments on Stripper Strike No Ho's Instagram posts, there were a lot of people cheering on their campaign. But they also consistently got questions and critiques from other strippers.
3: I could completely understand why they're fucking pissed off at this group because it seemed so easy for us. Even though it was backbreaking effort, blood, sweat, and tears, we still got it easier. We still got attention. We got donations. We got global. Yeah, support. I'm so. here
4: interviewing you right now. I know, and I'm here now.
3: And like, even when I was coming in here, I was like, Wicked, you need to make sure that you impress upon people. Like, we were not the first. We are not going to be the last.
4: As yet another reporter following this story, I wanted to make sure that I understood the terrain that I was stepping into. I wanted to know how this group of strippers was able to run a successful unionization campaign but also why their campaign got pushback. The criticism that was easiest to understand? The Stargarden strippers are a mostly white group. We know the primary reason for that, the hiring practices of the club where they worked. According to all the Stargarden dancers we spoke to, management didn't hire any Black dancers since they opened the club post-lockdown. Only white dancers and some lighter-skinned dancers of color. As you might remember from last episode, we did reach out to Steve and Jenny Kazarian of Stargarden for an interview. They declined, but we talked to Stargarden management's attorney, who said she could not comment about anything that happened at Stargarden in 2021, but that she objected to characterizations of discrimination at the club. And it wasn't just that the Star Garden strippers were mostly white. They were also mostly skinny, cisgender, college-educated, U.S. citizens, without visible disabilities. Some other strippers felt that Stargarden's dancers were positioning themselves as leaders, speaking for all strippers. And that sense that they were overstepping, it started with the name they chose for themselves. That Instagram handle. The Stripper Strike North Hollywood. Do you remember when you first heard about NoHo Stripper Strike? Yeah, I got a Google
1: alert for Stripper Strike, and it wasn't anybody that I knew. And it wasn't Black folks.
4: This is Kat Hollis.
1: I am a community organizer. I use they, them pronouns, and I am a new parent. And I have been a sex worker for a good minute.
4: Kat was one of the people who called out the Stargarden strippers online. I had a lot of
1: questions for them about whether or not they had considered that the term was largely used by the Black community and specifically, like, gender-expansive people of color.
4: I called up Kat because I was curious about the history of the term stripper straight and also about Kat's own work as a Black dancer and organizer in Oregon.
1: One of the things I heard in Portland that I had heard before was well, this is a rock and roll club. You're not really the look we're looking for. I was told I didn't look like I belonged on a Harley. And I was like, I don't know what that means. (laughs) Um, But obviously now I've I've learned what
4: that means. Just like at Stargarden, cats organizing started in part in a group chat. But this group chat was all Black sex workers in Portland. This was the summer of 2020. And Kat was especially angry about their experiences of racism in strip clubs. There is solidarity and
1: sorrow because we're all facing the same, oh, the position has been filled. We're always facing the same, like, sorry, I only get dances from white girls. Like, we're all facing the same issue, but it feels so isolating and so alone that you
4: think it's a, a you problem. Kat had heard of a movement in 2017 called NYC Stripper Strike. It was a campaign to fight racism, colorism, and unfair labor practices in New York's strip clubs. So Kat says they reached out to one of NYC Stripper Strike's founders, Giselle Marie. They wanted to make sure Giselle would give her blessing to use the term stripper strike in Portland, which Kat says she did. I
1: called for people to start posting on hashtag PDX and to sort of blow up this hashtag with stories and to say that we weren't going back to work until certain demands were met.
4: The Star Garden Dancers led a picket targeting one club, more of a strike in the traditional labor organizing sense. But the NYC and PDX stripper strikes were citywide campaigns to put pressure on multiple clubs and target issues across the industry, but not necessarily to call for unionization. For them, strike had a broader meaning.
1: More a strike like a blow than a strike like a work stoppage. Our mantra was strike while the iron is hot, right? And so it's more like a reckoning, you know, to to really ask ourselves, what are we ready to hit back with? What power do we hold?
5: The latest group to stand in solidarity with protesters demanding racial justice is growing by the day and calls their movement PDX Stripper Strike.
4: For PDX Stripper Strike, Kat and their comrades made a list of demands related to racial equity. And nearly 30 Portland strip clubs agreed to attend anti-racism trainings and listening sessions and to hire more dancers of color. And since then, the stripper strike movement has grown to Philadelphia and Chicago. The PDX stripper strike eventually expanded into an organization by and for sex workers called Haymarket Poll Collective. This movement history was on Kat's mind when they came to comment on the Stargarden strippers' social media. I think that it's really easy for white
1: folks to have like some fragility when you first come to them with issues like that. I think that they had a mixed response that became a little bit more solidaritous as time went on.
4: After months of social media callouts, in August 2022, the Stargarden strippers made a post on their stripper strike no-ho Instagram, acknowledging the other stripper strikes. I
5: asked one of the Stargarden
4: strippers, Velveeta, to read the post.
5: The caption says, thank you to everyone who has voiced their concerns to us and has held us accountable. We hear and appreciate you, and we're currently discussing next steps to right our wrongs and move forward as a campaign we hope everyone can be proud of.
4: They also shared an infographic, Black-led stripper organizations you should know about, which included many of the stripper strikes, like cats. The part that stands
5: out to me the most in that first post is this. We apologize for the way our name, Stripper Strike NoHo, has encroached on the original meaning of stripper strike as an anti-racism movement. While our Star Garden strike and unionization effort seek to address the rampant racism against Black women this club has perpetrated. This was not the overarching issue that mobilized us.
4: The Stargarden dancers I spoke to said they built a really special and supportive community. But they knew they built it at a club that didn't hire any Black dancers. And it wasn't until things felt really dire for themselves that they began to organize. I don't say this to pile on to the call-outs. What I found in my reporting and personal experience in movements and workplaces is this is usually how organizing works. People organize for their own working conditions, and while they may be mad about how their friends have been treated, it doesn't necessarily move them to act. And even in industries where there's a concerted effort to diversify the workforce, Black people in particular often end up being underrepresented. This comes up in Hollywood, tech, media, podcasting. The Stargarden Strippers apology post ends like this.
5: This movement is not whole without the input of Black voices, and we sincerely apologize for not doing more to include and amplify those voices from the beginning of this campaign.
4: When I talked to Velveeta in 2023, a year after this post went up, she told me she no longer felt it was an adequate apology and that they shouldn't have used the stripper strike name to begin with. She said that when they wrote that post in 2022, the group had considered changing their name, Stripper Strike No-Ho, but decided against it. They were too worried about losing momentum and support.
5: In making that decision, we did prioritize our white following, like over the concerns of the dancers of color. I'm not proud of how that played out.
4: Despite their critiques, Kat saw parallels between the issues at Stargarden and at strip clubs across the country. So they were also invested in how things would play out for these strippers in L.A.
1: Even being white-led, skinny-led, you know, led by people who have the ability to not work for X amount of, you know, weeks, led by people who are educated and articulate and, you know, have lawyers and there's... Still, so many hurdles. And I think that that struggle is so important for people to see because I think that it's very isolating. You know, we have solidarity and we have the ability to work together for something better.
4: That spring and summer of 2022, while the Stargarden strippers were navigating call outs and holding it down on the picket line. They were also trying to find a union that would represent them. Because to unionize your workplace, it's a lot easier to fold into an existing union that already has resources and infrastructure. But for a while, no union would step up to represent these dancers. Their pro bono lawyer told me she thought that between the stigma of sex work and the challenges of organizing in an industry that isn't unionized at all, most unions weren't up for the risk. But then... Hey, I'm Kate Schindel. I'm president of Actors' Equity, and I am so stoked to be working with everyone from Stargarden. This was a game-changer. Actors' Equity is a huge established union. It represents live theater performers and stage managers, over 50,000 of them. The Stargarden strippers would now have the support of this union's staff, including attorneys and PR teams. This was their announcement on social media.
5: Are As an equity worker who has long since supported this industry and even portrayed members of their industry on professional stages, it only makes sense that these fierce live performers are getting the same protections that we are. I'm
1: really excited that these workers...
4: After are almost eight Actors months of picketing, the dancers made history by getting union representation. They held a graduation-themed picket to celebrate.
5: Congratulations, class! Of 2022. You're going to win! Yeah! Yeah! You've already
4: won. The dancers all wore graduation caps and gowns with their stripper looks as reveals underneath. They made graduation speeches on the sidewalk outside Star Garden. And Tom Morello from Rage Against the Machine played union songs on the picket line to celebrate.
0: The teacher in Chicago, janitor in Mississippi,
5: from the dancers of North Hollywood.
4: But they weren't officially union strippers yet. The dancers would need to vote on whether they wanted to join Actors' Equity. If they got the votes, then Stargarden would become a union club. At that time, the only unionized club in the country. In the fall of 2022, that's when you cast your ballots for the union vote, right? <laughs> yes. Selena is one of the strippers that Star Garden had fired. You heard from her last episode.
5: I remember checking my mailbox every single day and like just being so excited and then just getting hit with bills. And I'm like, oh, this is not, I'm not
4: looking for the bills right now. Like I want the ballot. Selena says since she's undocumented, this moment held extra significance. I feel like an American. Like, (laughs) I don't know. It's like finally able to vote for something because I can't Mm -hmm. vote for anything. So it was really exciting. In November 2022, it was finally time for the election. The Stargarden strippers posted a video on Insta set to I Endorse These Strippers by Nicki Minaj. I
0: these strippers I endorse these strippers I am Nicki and
4: I support these I This song came out a decade earlier so definitely wasn't about these particular strippers but Nikki's saucy, sexy shout out to strippers in general as if Nikki is a political candidate whose platform is having a good time at the strip club well, I get why these dancers chose it. In the IG video, the song plays over a montage of each dancer with a sealed envelope. A lot of them are in their pleasers and fishnets as they strut to their local mailboxes and drop off their ballots. The dancers were sure that they all voted yes. It seemed imminent that they would get their union. Everything finally seemed to be coming together. But then it all came crashing down. But after an
0: hour of a closed meeting, these dancers and their supporters watched on a Zoom call as the vote was stopped. The employer is challenging 16 of the 18
4: ballots received. Stargarden claimed the dancers weren't really employees and therefore could not form a union. That's coming up after the break on Imperfect Paradise. We'll be right back.
2: Selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. grow with shopify sign up for a one dollar per month trial period at shopify.com slash paradise all lowercase go to shopify.com slash paradise now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash paradise
0: the L A S spring super sweeps is happening now you can win amazing prizes while supporting your source for local fact-based journalism
4: As you might recall, we repeatedly asked our garden management for an interview, and one of the things we were curious about was why they opposed unionization. They declined to talk with us, but their attorney said in an email that, quote, most employers would rather deal directly with their employees than through an intermediary who charges those employees dues, unquote. The National Labor Relations Board cites an estimate that overhead costs for a unionized organization are 25 to 35 percent higher than a non-union one. According to the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics, in 2023, a private industry employer spent a little over $15 per hour more on compensating a union employee than a non-union employee. And on top of that, managing a unionized staff might mean hiring human resources, lawyers, and dealing with government agencies. So Stargarden management was challenging the union votes. Here's what that's all about. When the strippers were hired at Stargarden, many of them signed paperwork agreeing to be independent contractors, not employees. And independent contractors, they can't really unionize in the same way employees can, with the power to bargain with management. So Stargarden's lawyers were saying, hey, these dancers are independent contractors. They can't form a union. But to legally be an independent contractor, you have to meet certain criteria, like having control over your schedule. So it might not matter what papers the dancer signed, if they were being treated as employees. As for what happens now, the National Labor Relations Board will schedule a hearing to decide whether to accept those challenge ballots. Whether they were or weren't employees, the National Labor Relations Board would decide, in a hearing set for about six months out. For the dancers, that would mean six more months of not making any money at Stargarden. Six more months of anxiety and waiting and trying to keep momentum on their campaign. But this question of whether strippers should be independent contractors or employees, it doesn't just have stakes for Star Garden or strip club owners. It's actually a huge topic of debate among strippers themselves, especially in California. Our next
1: panelist is Onyx Black. Onyx.
0: Hi. <laughs> I am very grateful to be here. My name is Onyx Black. Um
4: Onyx Black is one of the most vocal strippers organizing against employee status in California. So,
0: I just want to also put that there has been no real research on how strippers feel about this. We don't want to be employees. Us marginalized want to be independent contractors, having a choice. Even the person here, Onyx is speaking at a
4: California Commission on Civil Rights hearing,
0: and there's this moment where she specifically
4: mentions the Star Garden strippers.
0: Even the media, they are blowing up. 15 strippers in a tiny little place in Southern California, not understanding that the huge picture of all strippers here in California are suffering. We don't want to be. While the Stargarden strippers
4: were fighting to be union employees, Onyx was doing everything she could to let lawmakers, other strippers, and the internet know that she didn't agree. According to Onyx, most strippers don't want to be employees. She believes it's better to be a contractor because you have flexible scheduling, cash in hand at the end of the night, better pay, and less surveillance by your club. I wanted to talk to Onyx to understand why she kept pushing back against this unionization campaign, and what she was hoping for instead.
0: My name is Onyx Black. Um, I'm a Virgo. (laughs) My pronouns are she, her, and hers. I am a dancer, exotic dancer, stripper, other SW as well, and I teach like exotic dance and pole.
4: To understand Onyx's perspective on employment status, we need a little backstory. Onyx is black and born and raised in California. She started stripping around the age of 37. So she had several careers before this one, including in customer service, education,
0: the nonprofit world. I do have my degree in biology. I came from corporate. It's one of the most toxic places I've ever worked. You know, having like, you know, all of these white men looking down on you and you're in a science lab, and how dare you know anything. And at the strip club, all of those white men are giving me money and I'm looking down at them.
4: Onyx's move into stripping was great at first, when she was an independent contractor.
0: I could make my own schedule, come in when I want, talk to whoever I want, give dances to whoever I want, wear what I want, do what I want, when I want it, how I want it, make money how I want it, and good-ass money. I helped to pay my mama's mortgage. I got to go on vacation, take my cats to the vet. I got to just have more of a viable life. I didn't know how good I had it (laughs) until it changed. The reason it changed?
4: Strip clubs got caught up in a debate about gig work. For several decades now, we've seen a rise in the gig economy. Trucking, rideshare companies, home healthcare, hospitals, all hiring workers as contractors. And that's brought attempts at regulation.
1: Known as the gig workers bill, AB5 makes independent contractors like rideshare drivers into company employees.
4: The Gig Workers' Bill, or AB5, was a California law that went into effect in 2020. And it was meant to create tighter standards for who's considered an independent contractor. One of those standards is that a contractor should be doing work that's outside the usual course of business. So for example, you can make the case that a plumber at a strip club is an independent contractor, but a stripper at a strip club? One study looked at 75 federal and state court cases about misclassification filed by strippers over the last three decades. It found that they won 93% of the time, meaning strippers throughout the country have a really strong case for being treated as employees, regardless of what their clubs say. When AB5 passed, it seemed like California might crack down on worker misclassification.
1: It outlines strict guidelines for corporations like Uber and Lyft so drivers get minimum wage, overtime, and paid time off.
4: In theory, here's how it's supposed to work. California strip clubs should have reclassified their dancers as employees, with all the benefits that come along with that. But there's no enforcement of this law. No way to make sure club owners are doing things by the book, unless a stripper decides to sue. So what really happened was a different story. My team spoke with a bunch of other dancers, researchers, and journalists about what went down. Here's what we learned. When these new stricter rules about contractor status became law, clubs generally responded in two ways. One, some clubs like Star Garden continued to classify their dancers as contractors. And two, the clubs that did make the switch to employee status, what we heard, is the way they did that caused a lot of grief among California strippers, like Onyx.
0: 2019, I heard that something was developing and my club was going to be changed to employee status and that they could only keep a selective few. Everybody was trying to scramble and look for work. It was just a really scary time. And sure enough, the club that I was working at, they all removed 50% of their dancers and I was one of them.
4: This is how some clubs responded to AB5. They made some of their dancers employees and then fired a lot of the others. And who was fired? The clubs seemed to cut the dancers that they thought were least profitable. Who do you think was most impacted by AB5?
0: Well, it was all of us marginalized. So all my transgender sisters, undocumented. If you have a felony, sucks to be you. I have a disabled friend that's an amputee that's a dancer. She don't work in the clubs anymore either. There were more larger body dancers in the clubs back in the day. Now that they're employees, they don't hire nobody as dark as me or old as me. So if you are not young, white, and skinny, or white passing, that's who's mostly in the clubs.
4: Onyx said that she did find some work after AB5, but the conditions were worse. So she took a break from stripping for a while.
0: A lot of the dancers at that club, a lot of them not even dancing anymore. They just retired. A lot of dancers moved.
4: Onyx and other dancers we spoke to said that because it was harder to find work stripping, some dancers transitioned to forms of sex work that are more criminalized. And the dancers who were able to stay in the clubs after AB5? Those we talked to said they didn't get the benefits that are supposed to come from employee status, like health care or paid time off. Businesses are only required to give those benefits after workers put in more than 30 to 40 hours a week. And stripping is mostly too physically demanding for that. I've heard of strippers who work anywhere from a few hours a month to 25 hours a week. So strippers weren't getting employee benefits. And on top of that, they were making less money and had less scheduling flexibility. So in summary, Tighter rules about employee status were supposed to make things better for workers in California. But according to many of the strippers we talked to, the way clubs reacted actually made things worse. Which is why some dancers like Onyx want a carve-out from AB5. That's actually something rideshare companies got, so their drivers could be contractors. And that's what Onyx wants too to go back to being a contractor.
0: The employee status thing ain't working. We need to get the most people in the club to work. It goes back to harm-reductive solutions.
4: Harm reduction. As in, things at the strip clubs weren't perfect before AB5. But at least more dancers were able to keep their jobs and make better money than they're making now. But for the Stargarden dancers and other strippers who want to be employees, the answer is to use employee status, to unionize. They believe that once they become union employees, they can bargain for a contract with greater protections for themselves and future dancers at their club, a contract that could address the concerns of dancers like Onyx, a contract that gives dancers a better cut of the money and flexibility in scheduling, And more diverse hiring. Here's Velveeta.
5: Through unionization in our contract, we can put in measures where the rehiring of dancers includes like diversity initiatives.
4: What about the critique that in order to get the benefits of employment status, you need to work 30 plus hours? And like most strippers can't or don't want to do that.
5: When you're bargaining your contract, you're starting from like a blank slate. So for instance, we want health coverage. It's our job in our contract to bargain with the employer so that they agree to pay into the health insurance. They might want to say, we're only going to pay for health insurance for employees that work a certain minimum number of hours a week. And then we have power in the bargaining process to dictate what that's going to be.
4: And it could be less hours than 30.
5: Yeah, exactly. So if they want to go with the government mandated minimum, then you can withhold your labor, you can strike, you can do these things to force them to give you what you want.
4: The way I see it, Onyx is fighting for a return to an imperfect but known past. And the Stargarden strippers are fighting for an idealistic but unknown future. Because we just don't know yet if they'll be able to bargain for the things they want in their contract whether this could be replicated in other clubs, or if other strippers would even want to work under that model. In the months after the stalled union vote, the dancers stopped picketing and focused on preparing to testify at the National Labor Relations Board hearing, getting ready to prove that they were employees of Stargarden. And then, in December 2022, Stargarden Management made a move that I didn't expect. A move that made me wonder if they were trying to evade the union and even the NLRB hearing completely. A move that I was sure would have repercussions for the dancers. Stargarden Management declared bankruptcy. They wanted to close down the club. That's after the break on Imperfect Paradise.
1: How to LA is your connection to Los Angeles.
2: Get to know its history. The 1920s were a huge boom time in Los Angeles and downtown was just exploding. It's politics. It's the biggest local prosecutor's
0: office in the country.
2: And it's food. Korean spices with like a hint of sweetness. And just everything we love about LA. Subscribe to How to LA from LA Studios wherever you listen to podcasts.
0: This is
4: LA's producer Emma Alabaster. You're listening to Imperfect Paradise.
0: Who's Our club! Who's Our club! If we not get it. Shut if, it down. Uh, um, oops, I did that. Woo! It's March 18th,
4: 2023 at 11 p.m. Tonight, the Stargarden Topless Dive Bar in North Hollywood is closed, and the party is happening outside.
0: So gather all your jackets.
4: A vendor is rolling up taquitos. There's a karaoke dance circle, and folks on the sidewalk carry protest signs: "Stripper safety over bosses' profit," "Twerk union," and "Honk if you heart boobs." It's a full circle moment because it's been a whole year since the Star Garden dancers went on strike. Senior producer Natalie Chodovski is at the scene getting reactions from the dancers.
1: We had our last shift in Star Garden one year ago yesterday. We are doing a reunion <laughs> picket. It's the one-year anniversary since we walked off the job and delivered our safety position to the bosses.
4: This is Charlie and Lilith, two of Star Garden's strippers.
3: Before we stopped picketing, the point of the picket was to turn away customers going into Star Garden. But now Star Garden is closed down. So we don't have to do any screaming tonight. We will. We don't have to do any screaming tonight.
4: It's so been over 3 months of- since Star Garden filed for bankruptcy oh, okay. and closed Enjoy. down. There's no one inside tonight.
1: It's very bittersweet because, you know, this whole time, we've just wanted to return to work. So it is sad for us to see the corpse of the club we once loved. But also, it's a huge win. We've said since the beginning, if we don't get it, shut it down.
4: The last few months have been a waiting game. The dancers are preparing for the NLRB hearing, waiting to see how this bankruptcy situation plays out. They've started a strike fund to support themselves while they're out of work. And they've been doing pop-up co-op shows. What makes it a co-op show is that it's organized by the dancers themselves, including dancers from other clubs. And they split the money equally. It's something that started in the beginning of the pandemic, and now it's helping the dancers support themselves while they're on strike. And the co-op shows have also given them a taste of what it's like to have strippers in charge. And they're hungry for more. Here's senior producer Natalie talking to Wicked. Talk to me about
3: this bankruptcy situation. From what I understand, they are under fire. They have overextended themselves. And it does open up an opportunity, hopefully, for us to supersede and take our place in the business.
4: What Wicked is talking about is buying the club. Because the bankruptcy might present an opportunity The dancers think there's a chance that Stargarden's management will liquidate and be forced to sell the club, and that the dancers could buy it.
3: So if you're manifesting like a year in the future, what is the dream? This is such a good question. We love this. Um, A year from today, we will be very busy with our own club, and sharing sharing the wealth will be unionized and functioning as a co-op worker-owned,
4: worker-run. This is their ultimate dream— not just a unionized club, but a club owned and run by the dancers themselves. They think a worker-owned cooperative club would allow them to reconcile strippers' different desires and needs, to truly address workplace issues of security, scheduling flexibility, and diversity. — A year ago, it was just all white girls and then me, you know? — This is Selena.  — — So it's like, to see it in a year from now, to be, like, Black,
5: trans, Latinas, a lot more Latinas, Asians, to be in there, that's, I feel like that would be, like, a good dream come true for me.
4: — The dancers want to be their own bosses, do their own hiring, and set their own rules. And they might get to do it at the very club that brought them together.
3: Describe the scene as you're like coming up and you're working here. It's a dream. Okay, we we do this every day. All we do is talk about this scene. I imagine it like a big whiteboard and everyone has like their duties of the night, whether it's like set up, clean up, whatever. I just see everyone already stepping into the roles that we have been stepping into. And I imagine Wicked whipping everyone into shape. Like, come on guys, we open in 20. I would love to walk in and be in a place that... You know walking in that you're gonna be respected, that you're going to be paid for the work that you do. Because I know, like, across the country, I've been reached out to, like, dancers are holding their breath. Strippers are waiting to see if we can win this, if we can take it home. Because if we can, we will prove it can be done. That this very privileged group like, if we can just be the wedge in the door. I know that others will take advantage.
2: Elias producer Emma Alabaster reporting the story. Next time on Imperfect Paradise Stripper's Union, management finally comes to the table.
3: We all didn't believe it at first. We were very wary of the switch up. Then when it was like, no, nah, they're serious. After 15 months, they're ready to talk.
2: And Emma grapples with the limits of unionization.
4: What I hear in that is that there are, like, larger, more radical shifts that would greatly help sex workers, right? That's coming up on Imperfect Paradise.
2: Listen to new episodes of the podcast every Wednesday or tune in on Sunday nights at 7 p.m. on elias 89.3 or elias.com This episode of Imperfect Paradise Stripper's Union was written and reported by Emma Alabaster, with co-writing and co-reporting by Natalie Chudnovsky. I'm the show's host, Antonia Serejido. Catherine Mailhouse is the executive producer of the show, and Shayna Naomi-Crockmall is our vice president of podcasts. Natalie Chudnovsky is the senior producer. The editor is Audrey Quinn. Production help by James Chow and Marina Peña. Sound design by James Chow and Emma Alabaster. Jens Campbell is our production coordinator. Research help from Ali Bianco, Rebecca Katz, and Marina Peña. Our sensitivity reader is Anam Harris. Fact-checking by Caitlin Antonios. Mixing by E. Scott Kelly and Donald Paz. Special thanks to Laura Ubate, Kyria Traber, and Phoenix So. And thank you to Domino Ray, Dominique Pearson, Michael Leroy, and Susan Elizabeth Shepard for their insights that shaped our reporting. This podcast is powered by listeners like you. Support the show by donating now at com slash join. This podcast is supported by Gordon and Donna Crawford, who believe quality journalism makes Los Angeles a better place to live.
0: This program is made possible in part by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, a private corporation funded by the American people.
2: As a farmer's son from a desert region in California, J.B. Hamby thinks a lot about water.
1: I spent a lot of time digging up history, particularly about water, which is the origins of the Imperial Valley.
2: How this 28-year-old became the youngest lead negotiator on the Colorado River ever and how he could shape the most consequential negotiations to date. Listen to Imperfect Paradise, the Gen Z water dealmaker, wherever you get podcasts.